quick look at the numbers here for September 12. Both the uh, interestingly, both the ISM survey numbers, the manufacturing and the non-manufacturing, were both down. The manufacturing kind of dropped below 50, which is we'll talk about that later. But the non-manufacturing, the service sector, all 70% of the economy, economy dropped a lot. Uh, GDP hasn't stirred much. It will probably uh, have another estimate a little bit up, but it's still going to be one and a half, one point six, something like that. And uh, I'll get more details on how the rates have been kind of creeping up here in a minute. But uh, crude is going nowhere, despite what the media tells you. Uh, and the euro is really going nowhere, really despite what the media tells you. It's still 112. Uh, but the U.S. interest rates, starting with uh, the 13-week, uh, have been creeping up in anticipation of when the Fed might raise rates. doesn't matter whether it's September, December, but they probably will. More importantly than that, uh, for the first time in a while, it had the German 10-year bond is now in positive interest rate territory. The rest of the bonds are all, and the Japanese 10-year is in positive territory. Uh, there, I have a little ditty here in the notes about how generally interest rates uh, go up on good news and down on bad. Well, the U.S. got kind of bad news in the ISM survey. There isn't much else, and rates went up. Well... More on that later. The, uh, the rest of the news is almost all good. Uh, household debt loads, and we've talked about this, which is an integral part, an important part of the consumer, are, remain low, remain like they were below the 80s, in, before 1980. Uh, it's very positive on spending habits. And consumer credit, revolving and non-revolving, which we've been tracking, uh, the non-revolving, which is, for the most part, mortgages, is still on its way down. Revolving debt, which credit cards, uh, has crept up a little bit because spending was, was pretty robust in July. People didn't have anything to do, so they went out and bought stuff. Not bad, and these numbers aren't cause of any concern. Uh, this one, the uh, light vehicle retail sales, have been great since 2010. They have flattened, if not peaked. We're back to that 16 million units uh, number, which is probably a very stable number in the U.S., even though most of the cars out there have shifted up. I think the average life, uh, the average age of a car has shifted up about four years with all these new purchases. Uh, the other side of the coin for those starting new households the, clearly, the the shift away from individual home ownership has adjusted down to where it's historically been, somewhere around 62 63%. Single-family homes are, uh, are bas- basically running at replacement. There's no new expansion. All the expansion is in apartments, multifamilies. And if you look around Denver, it's very clear that almost all the residential construction is multifamily. Uh, nationally, there, there's no doubt about it. Uh, as a as a comparison, I I'm not picking on Canadians, but 
If you want to compare household debt to a very similar economy with similar wealth, similar ability to own property, uh, Canada is probably the best comparison. And if you look at this, Canada has historically, and it goes way past 2000, this only goes back to 2000, had much lower debt to GDP than the U.S. Well, a little after 2010, the beginning of our recovery, that shifted dramatically and it's getting worse. Uh, Debt to GDP in Canada is coming up on 100%, which is inconceivable for them, but it's getting worse. And... The debt-to-GDP for the United States consumer is down around 70%, which is equally inconceivable considering the track record of the U.S. consumer. Uh, They're very positive terms. Canada needs a a restructuring and, like everyone else, getting their economy rolling. Uh, On the other side, we're back to the U.S. Everybody's familiar with the National Institute for Retirement Security. They just did their big bit for Congress, and there's nothing new here. I know this chart is a little hard to read, but it's basically describing how far U.S. households are behind to meet their, quote, retirement needs. And naturally, they use 2010 numbers, which for account balances were have been the worst in 20 years. But this is what... Uh, the new administration, and of course Congress is hearing right now. By any measure, all the households are horribly behind. And if the worst, of course, being retirement account balances, it's about $14 trillion. Uh, I'll get to the message here in a minute. How do they know behind what? Repulsively logical question. Uh, There is a very arbitrary calculation out there, originally done by the CBO about 10 years ago, saying, well, this is what people need to, and it originally started with, replace Social Security. That went away, and now it's to supplement Social Security to maintain their lifestyle. Uh, Unfortunately, the original calculations out of the CBO left everything that we normally take out, like mortgage debt, and even some savings numbers. So they're a little bit skewed. Uh, This, okay, so this is the other side of it. This is the median retirement account balances. Thank you you for using 2010. These numbers are up. Unfortunately, they're not significantly, but it's still fundamentally bad news. Uh, The yellow or the gold are households with active retirement accounts. The green are regular households, and they're using net worth and other savings. Well, it's sad that the median household balance for a 55 to a 64-year-old is $100,000, but it is. Nationwide, it just simply is. The message here, and clearly what the uh, NIRS came up with a little while ago, is the biggest thing what they, that they recommend for the next administration support Social Security, strengthen Social Security. Social Security is critical. Now, we all know that we're approaching 80% of the total federal budget being totally on autopilot, and Social Security is the biggest one, followed by Medicare and Medicaid. 
I don't think that's going away. Uh, on the other side, here is, got a lot of sides. This is one of the other sides. This is how the export-import industry has changed, and we'll talk about uh, the bankruptcy of, of Kimpo and a few others here in a minute. But this is the difference in how the U.S. is importing things. Uh, the dark is non-petroleum, and that's cars, toys, and stuff. Petroleum goods, down on the sewer. Uh, not only are we becoming more self-sufficient if we wanted to be, we simply don't have the demand. Uh, the demand numbers are not likely to change significantly. In fact, they're going the other way. Now, here's the export side of the U.S. economy. And this is in billions, of course, and it, had an, it shot up here again. This time it was on soybeans. Fundamentally, it's food uh, in all types. Animal, human, vegetarian, I mean, go on. But the world export volume numbers are significantly down, too, and also trending down. We talked about the, the dry cargo numbers a little while ago and the bankruptcy of a rather large commodity carrier and a freight carrier. Uh, this is where the global economy is right now. The glory days have slowed. I don't know how much more export-import business is going to grow, but there's nothing in the foreseeable future that say it's going to grow very much. Here, the red ones are those that their export numbers are down. Canada, Russia, Belgium. Uh, the rest, the numbers are up. They aren't much. And these are total numbers, China being the biggest at 14.5% of global. United States, as usual, about 9. That hasn't changed very much. It's gone up a little tiny bit. These aren't significant numbers. And those that it's critical to have a vibrant export economy, South Korea, Japan, uh, Mexico, eh, they're flat. This not much demand. You can count on a significant piece of that demand being the U.S. consumer. I mean, that's where demand comes from. European manufacturing is flat to down. Uh, we separated the U.K. here, though I've said many times the U.K. is not that significant. It's just a piece of the pie. It's down significantly. Uh, unfortunately, the current account deficit in the U.K. has gotten much worse this is absolutely not affordable to them. The pound is not that strong. Uh, and uh, the investment income into the U.K. has turned significantly negative. I don't think people are all that wild about putting their money there with with degree of, let's say, ifs still out there. So a comment on Friday's little problem in the in the equity market basically means nothing. We're warming up to see if the Fed raises rates in, in September. Eh, it doesn't matter if they do or don't, as long as they do something by the end of the year. Today, the market is already priced it in. Uh, so, tiny bit of positive news globally. Standard, aren't we neat news for the U.S. And interest rates creeping up is good news.
there we are.